The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I am your host, the um, shirtless, really tired, really sweaty, really hot Alistair Hagen. Hot in more ways than one. <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to do a review on Top Gun. Um, because, well not, not Top Gun the first one, Top Gun Maverick, the newest one that just came out this year. Um, because I have a lot, I, well, I don't actually have a lot to say on it, but you may be surprised about how I feel about this movie. So first, first, um, instead of a drink of choice today, we have a cigar of choice for the second time on this show. It's a Flor de Oliva Maduro. It's a, um, what do they call it? A bundle stick. It's a cheap stick. Um, basically a budget stick for like, you know, cheaper, more value, value oriented buyers, you know? I'm one of those buyers, so I'm not shaming you. So let's cut it. Oh my god! I bumped into my my um, my pop filter. My bad. So um, just smell it up. Smells like leather. And let's let's light it. Let's light it. So how are you guys doing today? Uh, at least this lighting process takes a little bit, so kind of just stalling for time. Hope you guys are doing good. Um got a lot going on still still writing a book so trying to make it happen trying to make it happen and touch up the sides all right hmm. that's gonna take some time to cool down a little bit so I can get a better taste of that one before I can give you a, uh, before I can give you an accurate description of what that tastes like, so Top Gun Maverick. Okay, so what is Top Gun Maverick? It is a sequel to the 1986 movie Top Gun, starring Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. All right. So here's the thing, I ain't never seen that movie before. Okay, I I never saw Top Gun. All right. The most I knew about Top Gun going into this movie, or the the 2022 movie, was that it it was a movie that starred Tom Cruise and it had to do with jets. That's really it, right? So my um my um my expectations for this movie were kind of low, um because I you know it's 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 one of those movies that you kind of like expected it to be kind of like Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. Um, where like it's a movie from like it's a movie that's a, a long awaited sequel to a movie that came out like a decade or two ago just like The Force Awakens and uh what is it uh The Predator stuff like that you know 
sequels to movies that came out. Tron Legacy is another one. Um, and apparently there's a term for this called Legacy Sequel. Yeah, I don't know what I don't really know what that tastes like quite yet. But you know, I was expecting it. So let me let me tell you what I was expecting. I was expecting another one of those legacy sequels where it's a movie about a uh, passing of the torch to a new generation. Um a lot of times it's it's a movie where like you have to like where like the main characters are younger, more diverse, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, and they have to pull the old hero out from retirement and get him back on the good foot. Creed is another example of this. Um, where Adonis Creed has to pull Rocky out from retirement to help him, like, to coach him and stuff. Um, you know, and it works in Creed. It makes sense in Creed for it to be that way because, um, Rocky Balboa, all of his friends and his, his wife, everyone is, everyone he knows and loves is dead except for his son. And his son lives in like Canada or something like that in the lore. I forget. I forget the backstory of that. Um, but he came back in the second movie. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's one of those situations where you know they the the new younger and more diverse cast have to go find the old hero and bring him out of retirement. Uh, the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi is another example of this with Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Um. I haven't seen Tron Legacy in a while, so I can't really tell you what happened in that movie. So it's it's just an example of a legacy movie, legacy sequel. I mean, mm, interesting, interesting flavor. But yeah, so let's get to Top Gun. Top Gun, um, like I said, didn't see the first movie, so I can't. I, I never had any emotional attachment to it. Um. I do like Danger Zone, though. That's a fantastic song. It's a fantastic song. Love it. Um, so, you know, I, and I've heard, you know, the first movie is, you know, a classic, even though it's not really that great of a movie. It's a classic. Um, and a lot of tropes that we have in movies today came from that movie. I have to watch it at some point, apparently, but I just never saw the movie. It was before my time, dude. It was like, it was like, what, like? Like eight years before I was even born, nah, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. However, I have seen the original animated Transformers movie, which came out the same year, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it, it, it's weird. Um, but anyway, so going into Top Gun Maverick, my expectations were low because I was expecting the same thing as Creed, um, The Force Awakens, you know, that kind of thing, Jurassic World, stuff like that. Um, and honestly, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I was genuinely surprised by the quality of this movie. Because by not trying to subvert my expectations, they subverted my expectations. By just focusing on telling a well-made story with good character interactions and being faithful to the original movie... They told a better story than most movies that come out these days. Yeah, that's right. I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. It was one of the best movies I've seen so far this year. But I've only seen about two movies this year, so... You know, that doesn't really mean much quite yet. But, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, 
fantastic movie. So let's let's get into what I loved about this movie. Now that I've I've done I'm done playing that game. Um, so Top Gun Maverick is a movie about this character named uh, Pete Mitchell, whose uh, call sign is Maverick, and he's one of the few original characters from the original Top. What the? F- My phone is tripping. All right. And I keep forgetting to put it on silent when I start. But, but there's, he's one of the few characters from the original, the original movie that come back in this movie. Um, played in top form by Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know what deal with the devil he's done, to be able to do what he does when he's coming on the age of sixty soon. But by God, he does it. He's how old is Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise is fifty nine. He's almost sixty, and he's still doing his own stunts. He's still running around like a madman, like a crackhead. I don't know. I don't know what deal with the devil he did, but he did it, and it's wild. <laughs> okay. But basically, the premise of this movie is that Maverick is instead of advancing throughout the Navy like the rest of his friends have, and the rest of his like fellow uh, wingmen have um he's stayed at the role of captain for god knows how long i don't remember if they actually said how long he was a captain um but he's been a captain and he refuses all promotions or he either refuses all promotions or he's that much of a screw-up that he stays at captain um which there's evidence for both in this movie um but uh, after one, after one too many screw ups, one too many pushing the, one too many instances of pushing the envelope, he gets called back to the Top Gun Academy, and he has to teach a new generation of uh, fighters, a new generation of uh, pilots, to be the best that the Navy has to offer, right? For a suicide run of a mission, which, can I just say, I absolutely love movies that movies and video games and stuff that have suicide missions where mo- the majority of the plot is preparation for this suicide run at the end of the movie or the video game can you tell can you tell what game i'm alluding to with that yeah mass effect 2 has the same story structure as as top gun maverick which i didn't even realize until this moment but yeah, it, it has the same structure as, as Mass Effect 2 in the sense that the majority of the movie is training. It's a train. It's basically a long training montage between Acts 1 and 2, um, but the character interactions are also what makes this movie what it is. And the main draw and the main connection in this movie is the connection between Maverick and this flight, this uh, pilot named uh, who's his call sign is Rooster, right? Or his call sign is Rooster. And the reason why the connection is important is because Rooster is the son of his co of Maverick's co-pilot from the first movie named Goose, who died in a training accident. Um, which, also may I say, this movie does a very good job of informing you basically what happened in the first movie without, without being clunky and like heavily expository. Which, another thing that also surprised me, if I'm not mistaken, let me let me look real quick. Let me look at the Wikipedia page real quick on this one. Uh, who did the screenplay? What? I saw a name while I was in theaters that really 
that really piqued my um my concern. I saw it and oh, this is the oops. I'm on the wrong page. Hold on. I was looking at the original movie. Aaron Kruger. His name popped up on the screen, and it concerned me. Aaron Kruger. Yeah, if you know. Me, you know why I'm concerned about that. Because Aaron Kruger was the writer for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, and Age of Extinction. And two out of those three movies, I argue, are god-awful. Revenge of the Fallen and Age of Extinction. Dark of the Moon, I need to watch it again before I can tell you whether or not it's written well. But Aaron Kruger is not a great writer. But I'm looking here that Top Gun Maverick, he co-wrote it with two other people. So that's probably why it's not complete dog shit. Um, but he co-wrote Revenge of the Fallen with Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. I'm, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I saw that name on the screen at the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh, oh, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. But luckily we were not in trouble because this was a damn good movie. But, but anyway, this movie does a good job of informing the audience of what happened in the first movie. Without, you know, stopping the, the movie in its tracks. It does flashbacks. It uses archival footage at appropriate times. So that you get a good idea of what happened in the first movie. Without someone sitting you down going like, remember what happened to Goose? Died in that training accident. I have to be careful. You know, there's no moment like that. Or at least as far as I can tell, there's no moment in this movie that feels like that's like that. And it feels unnatural. Um... All of the exposition, for the most part, is exposition, but it's done in a way that makes sense. Like at the beginning of the movie, um, there's this exercise that needs to be, or there's this exercise that they were going to do in the Navy that was supposed to say that was supposed to show this program was coming along strong, but then like their their higher ups cut the program off um, unexpectedly. But before Maverick gets there, he's not aware of this. So the guy that meets him there informs him of it, and it's natural because Maverick didn't know this going in. So it it's, makes sense for the guy that you know informs him of this to tell him this information. So for the most part, I think you know the the exposition in this movie is not you know like oh it's garbage you know it's not like that, and it did use like it did use footage that was of a clearly a lower quality for the um for the flashbacks but it's from the original movie and it actually adds a sense of like you know it, it kind of strangely adds a sense of like otherworldliness to it that makes you feel like it's you know it's the way that maverick remembers it he remembers it this way and that's the it's fuzzy and I, I like that i like that they use archival footage like that archival footage like that my bad Yeah, it's cooling down now. It's actually tasted a bit. But, like I said, Rooster is the son of Goose, the, the one of the only, I think the only character that died in the first movie in the training accident. But yeah, so, that's not the reason why, like, uh, okay, let me slow down. Maverick feels like Goose's death is his fault, and thus, uh, you know, you get the sense that Rooster hates Maverick because he feels like He's, you know, his father's dead because of him. But that's actually not where they go with that, surprisingly. And what they actually do is that they make it so that in between Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, Maverick pulls 
Rooster's Navy application and delays him by four years because he doesn't want the same thing that happened to his father to happen to Rooster. And that is why Rooster is upset with Maverick. And it's like, ah, so we're not going the typical, you, you're the reason why my father is dead route. They actually go the route of, no, you, you did something that I didn't like um, to protect me when I didn't ask you to do that kind of thing, which, uh, let's just say I, I, um, when did this movie, when did this movie finish getting written? Uh, 2017. And pr principal, principal photography took place in May 2018. Um, I, you know, let's just say Blur Havoc 1 was being written and, um, published around the same time this movie was being, uh, shot, which is, just a massive coincidence because that whole plot thread is similar to Bria's plot thread in Blur Havoc 1 of stop trying to protect me for my well-being. I didn't ask you to do that kind of thing. Um, so that was just an interesting parallel that I didn't realize until now yet again. Um, so yeah, uh, their relationship, that's the, I'd say that's the B plot of this movie. You have the A plot, which is the main suicide mission um, that they're training for. The B plot, which is the um, the tension between Rooster and Maverick, and then you have a C plot, which is Maverick's love interest. Uh, what's her name? Penny, right? The fact that I remember her name is actually really good because most of the time I can't remember love interest characters in some of these movies, dude. Um, and the fact that I remember most of these characters' names or at least their call signs, that's great because a lot of times I do not remember characters' names, but um. Yeah, so there's a love interest in this story between Maverick and uh, this girl named Penny, who apparently most people that didn't even see the first movie, I mean, most people that, let me slow down, a lot of people that even saw the first movie did not know this character, but apparently the character of Penny was referenced in the first movie as the Admiral's daughter, which is really cool that they, you know, they brought a character that was referenced in the first movie as, into an actual character in the second movie. Alright, so enough shitting around. Why did I like this movie? Well, first of all, uh, let's get the easy shit out of the way. The action in this movie is absolutely fucking insane, okay? Like, the flying and the, the, the flying, the way it's shot, super intense, dude. Um, and they do an excellent, they, ha they have an excellent way of establishing the stakes of this by explaining through exposition and um, training footage of how dangerous and out of the ordinary this 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 flying is like there's one scene where they have they explain how they have to go through this canyon at low altitude and if they go too high sand missiles will activate and shoot them out of the, the sky right so as he's explaining how the g-force on their body is going to start crushing them because of how heavy the the jet is they showed the training footage of them flying through the 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 valley and they're struggling to fly through the valley because they have to go they have to go so they have to go fast enough to make it before the enemy fighters get scramble their jets but they have to uh, be careful not to go too fast that they hit one of the walls of the canyon right um and then also they can't go too high or else the sand missiles will blow them up so they have a really good way of establishing that tension in that scene and then also they do some really good um some really good CGI with their faces where like they have to do this incredibly steep climb at the end of the run that um that literally crushes their body while they're in the jet and you can see their faces like sag 
while they steeply climb up. And it's, ooh, visual storytelling is fantastic in this movie, okay? So, yes, yes, they explain what the stakes are in this movie through words, but they also show them to you through visual, like, through visual representation, right? And just, just, dude, like, stuff like that I love because it establishes the stakes so that when you see it later on in the movie, you understand what's at, what's at risk here. What could happen if there's even a slight hiccup in the plan? And another one that I really love, it's, it's a trope, by the way. It's called Chekhov's Skill. Let me see if I can spell Chekhov right. Chekhov's Skill. And let me, let me just read you the laconic version of it. A previously noted skill or talent becomes essential to the plot. Or would I say it's Chekhov's skill? Let me check the Chekhov's index. Chekhov's skill? Volcano? Um. Hmm. Anyway, basically what it was is that I'm going to call it Chekhov's skill because it's something that Maverick was trying to teach them could possibly happen in this, um, in this mission. And what it was is that, um, during the uh during the the canyon run that they're practicing during the exercise um maverick just shows up <laughs> in the middle of the exercise and he's like hey i'm an enemy fighter do something about it right and it was one of the coolest moments of the movie because i was like that's exactly that's that's probably what's going to happen during the actual mission and lo and behold not only did that happen in the actual mission there were two of them <laughs> And I was like, I love that kind of shit, dude. <laughs> I love that shit. And a, and a lot of fun stuff happens in the second act as well, where their first exercise is to basically take down Maverick. Like, you have two F-18s, and they have to take down Maverick, right? And it's literally, like, a character who who's skilled in what they do, and you threw the final boss at them. <laughs> like, you threw the final boss at them at the beginning of the game. And Maverick absolutely dusts every single one of them. Right? And, it, dude, like, some of this stuff is just really fun to watch. And it's really, it really um, gives you a good idea of the stakes and the um, and the skill. Like, the, the power levels of these pilots, right? Um because like there's this there's this rival fighter or rival pilot named hangman um and they say the way he got his name hangman was because he leaves his wingman out to hang as in he's if it came down between him getting the kill and you keeping you alive he's gonna go get the kill right and one thing this movie does well is that it establishes power levels that hangman may be a good fighter pilot but he's an awful serviceman while Rooster may not be as skilled as Hangman, he's more concerned about getting the job right and keeping everyone alive. Such as when he did the the canyon run, he does the canyon run, and he's the only one to successfully make the canyon run, but he does it in four minutes instead of two and a half. And thus he didn't he didn't he didn't, uh, he didn't pass. So th this movie does a very good job of establishing power levels, such as Phoenix and Bob. Um they're a pair of uh, they're a pair of flyers, a pair of fuck, <laughs> a pair of pilots, where Bob is kind of like Phoenix's um, 
co-pilot, and they they work as a team, and them together are basically on the same level as as Rooster, if not a little bit more skilled than Rooster. Maybe, depends. And and I I appreciate movies that, um, movies and video games and stories that understand power levels. In term or skill in this movie, it's considered skill level rather than power levels. But like in movies like Avengers, Infinity War, um, uh, Justice League, stuff like that, understanding power levels is the difference between make making your entire cast useless or making some characters a little bit less useful than they were in previous uh, movies. Which in Justice League, you have it, Superman is so overpowered in that movie, he makes the rest of the cast irrelevant which is what happens if you don't pay attention to your power level however in infinity war yeah some of the characters are not as strong as they used to be in previous movies but they have a good understanding of power levels in that movie and top gun maverick in this case it's not power levels it's skill levels top gun maverick understands skill levels understands you know like which which pilot is more skilled than the others and what each pilot's strengths and weaknesses are right so there's a there's a moment spoiler alert i guess sport there's a moment at the towards the end of the movie where um after the entire movie maverick is like dusting all of the uh all the other pilots in the top gun academy he's absolutely destroying them right at towards the end of the movie he's actually in the mission instead of picking six other pilots to fly that mission he's the he's the head honcho of that mission then five other people are behind him right um and push comes to shove and eventually both him and rooster get shot down and they have to commandeer an old what is it an f-14 tomcat is what it's called i think i want to be right i want to be right hold on hold on i don't want to be wrong yeah it's an f-14 tomcat um which is like World War II levels of old, okay? Is it? Nope, nope, nope. Vietnam War. 1974, I believe. Is that the Vietnam War? I don't know. But basically, it was introduced in 1974, right? So, they have to commandeer that, but then they have to deal with the two next-generation, fifth-generation fighter jets that um, appeared earlier in the third act, Okay? So, in this moment, he gets to take down one of the, the fifth generation fighters, but the other one pulls a move that is so outrageous, even Maverick is left speechless by this move, which was also the movie's one precision F-strike. It was the movie's one F-word when, um, when Rooster sees him do this, sees the, the fifth generation fighter do this move that was unfathomable that even i i didn't even know what i was looking at i just remember my eye my eyebrows raising i was like what the hell is happening all right so even maverick was confused by that move which really shows you the power level of these of these fighters that they they have their own maverick that is just as skilled as maverick but yeah speaking of um the enemy um yeah this movie has big enemy team <laughs> um energy where it's just like yeah, we have to go into the enemy, uh, the enemy territory and blow up this nuclear facility. We're not going to tell you what enemy because it's 2022 and naming a specific country is going to probably lead to nuclear war. So let's just shut the fuck up about that. <laughs> so yeah, the enemy, the enemy is literally quote unquote the enemy. That's it. They don't ever say who it is. 
I'm starting to taste flour in that cigar. Like, not like white flour, but like a floral note. Like, you know, uh, like dandelions and uh, roses and tulips and shit, you know. Cigars have very interesting flavors like that. Um, on top of that, this movie does have a, does do a good job of like having really good emotional payoffs. Especially if you watch the first movie, I can see how this could be a really emotional movie, especially at the end. Um, but with the context given in the movie, I feel like it was strong in the end too. Um, where, uh, Maverick, he, um, they 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 succeed in the mission. I've already spoiled one part of the movie, so just understand this is spoilers. Uh, they succeed in the mission. He uh, when he looks at Rooster, he gets teary eyed because he remembers his promise to his his wingman uh, Goose, and um, and he and basically it's the context of this is the son of the man I feel like I had a hand in his death, right? And he successfully fulfilled the promise of keeping his son alive. My phone. My phone. Why? And it's too late for me to get up and turn it off. But in that moment, I genuinely felt like some feelings. I felt I felt the tears. I was like, oh my god. This is beautiful. And then at the end, when uh, Rooster sees a picture of his father, he just like knocks on it, and you, you, get, you get that moment, and you, you just feel it in your chest. It's like, oh my god. The feels. They're real. <laughs> they are real. Oh, man. I'm really surprised by how good the writing in this movie is. Like, yeah, there's some, you know, some world-building questions like, you know, why are they just throwing bodies at this incredibly armed military facility? Like, there's a part where they tomahawk the enemy's runway so they can't send their fighters. But at the same time, it's like, why didn't you tomahawk the SAM missiles first? But, I don't know, you know. I don't know about that. I'm not I'm not familiar with military technology, so I can't tell you why they didn't bomb the SAM missiles first. If there is a reason why they didn't bomb the SAM missiles first, they should have put that in the movie. But they didn't. So that's an that's a plot hole. Um But other than that, you know, there aren't really many plot holes in this movie because it's a really simple movie. And just because a movie is simple does not mean it's bad. Simplicity often works in your favor. Which is a, another episode we should probably do. Um, after I do the Moral Event Horizon uh, episode. Which we, I guarantee you, I promise you, the Moral Event Horizon is the next episode. I promise you. Because I'm about to finish this episode and we're going to roll right into the next episode. So, I have been your host. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. First off, um, yeah, go see this movie. Good movie. Go buy it on Blu-ray. It's a very good movie. Um, it's not full of identity politics and all that weird, you know, race stuff. It's it, There's nothing like that in this movie. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, go watch Top Gun Maverick. Go buy it on Blu-ray. If, this, if, if, you know, you missed your chance to see this movie in theaters, buy it on Blu-ray. Watch it then. But, yeah, go watch this movie. Go support this movie so that we can send the message of we want good shit like this. Okay? Alright, so... I have been your host, the Caramel Colored Rover. I don't know what happened there. I have been your host, the Caramel Colored Roguishly Handsome Alistair Hagen. I will see you in the next episode. Ta-ta for now.
Thank you for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 